0: Today is the third and last Sunday of this 21 Days series. This 21 Days of Spiritual Pursuit, um, that's three weeks. The reason for the 21 days, three weeks, is they say it takes three weeks to build a habit. And I'm hopeful that this emphasis, this spiritual emphasis, will not just be something that we do um, today, but forthgoing. And... um, Even though we'll change the series, we'll be doing some different studies in the month of February. Hopefully this emphasis will continue, this spiritual emphasis. But having said that, today is the last Sunday. It's the last Sunday where we will be in this, and then this coming Saturday concludes these 21 days. And so just to reiterate what Paul said during the announcements, we will be here together. Um, I'll be here this coming Sunday at 6 p.m. I'm sorry, Saturday at 6 p.m., And we will be having um, a potluck. So from 6 to 7, there's going to be a time of corporate worship. The three congregations are going to gather together. Woven is going to be leading our own, um, not our own. We're going to be in the service together. But we have a 10, 15-minute slot that we're going to be leading. And then from 7 to 8, we're going to be um, eating together, breaking the fast. For those who are fasting during this week, breaking the fast from 7 to 8 p.m. with a community potluck and so in case it wasn't clear, I want to just clarify. We want to invite you not only to come out, but to bring a dish. Um, we're hoping that we can have entrees and, and um, side dishes. So even though, you know, you can bring drinks or dessert, we really encourage you to bring some kind of an entree if you can make it. So hope you can make it, and hopefully you can bring an entree. The food will be potluck, and it will be shared across all three congregations. So um, do, bring, do bring, you know, a, a good contribution. Saturday. So, having said that, this being the last full seven days in this series, just this series, although again we want to continue with this spiritual emphasis, what I'd like for us to do today is to look at the book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3. And Lamentations is a good book for this series because it is a book about lament, it's a book about repentance, it's a book about self-examination. And in particular, for these 21 days, we want to do some self-examination. Yes, it's about prayer, yes, it's about fasting, but it is also a time for us to do some examination and for us to um, reflect. It's a good time to reflect on 2018, We had a great time yesterday. Andrew led a really wonderful, wonderful community group that was hosted by the Thomases, once again, great food. And we reflected on our stories of 2018. And we went around in a circle and people started sharing, this is stuff that happened in 2018. And we also got to share about our our spiritual experiences as well. So as we look back at 2018, now just think, on a scale of one to ten, As you examine yourself, with 10 being great and zero being terrible, how was 2018 for you? Was it on the top half? Was it on the bottom half? And as we examine and think about 2018, we want to ask the question, what can we do better. I like how Paul put it this morning during the announcements that self-improvement is a thing. We've talked about I talked about this last Sunday that 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 self-improvement, no one is going to improve you. If you're waiting passively for someone else to make you better, then you will live the rest of your life very mediocre. Self-improvement is something that we take upon ourselves as we look into 2019. As we look into 2019 and as we reflect back to 2018, what are the areas, what are the things that, as I examine myself, that come to the forefront of my mind? So let's read. I'm going to read from Lamentations chapter 3. I'm going to look at these passages in the spirit of self-examination. Originally, we had this up on the screen with some artistic images rotating. But today, you're just going to have to hear the word of the Lord. And if you have your Bible, you will have to look in your scriptures, which is good. So let's just do some Bible study as we look at Lamentations chapter 3, if you look with me. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 1 to the end. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He's caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He's broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he's made me dwell. Like those who have been long dead, he's walled me in so that I can't go out. He's made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with hewn stone. He's made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He's turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He's made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I've become a laughingstock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. He's filled me with bitterness. He's made me drunk with wormwood. He's broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently. For the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For he will not reject forever the Lord. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to the abundance of his covenant mercies. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land, to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit. Of these things the Lord does not approve. Intermission. Right there we are at verse 36, about halfway through. This is a long chapter. And I just want to describe a little bit of what's happening in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations at its root is the word lament. And to lament means to mourn, to weep. Why the heaviness? In these 21 days of prayer and fasting, this is the week that's designated for fasting. Fasting and lament, mourning goes well hand in hand. Sometimes it's important for us corporately to lament. Lament. It's an interesting book, Lamentations is, five chapters, four out of five chapters are 22 verses, 22 verses. The reason for that is because it is an acrostic. Each verse is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so each letter, kind of like A is for apple, B is for boy, C is for Charlie, each of these 22 verses corresponds with the letters alphabetically of the Hebrew alphabet. But chapter 3 is different because it's 66 verses. It has a way of amplifying, amplifying what's being said. And it's right in the middle of these five chapters. There's a reason for that. In the Hebrew worldview, you can think of it like this. The first two chapters, you're climbing up this mountain. You're climbing up this mountain. This is heavy. It's like watching a movie That's that's kind of mournful, that's kind of dark. But then when you get to the middle, you reach the pinnacle. The high point of the story is chapter 3, what we're reading right now. It's not 22 verses like all the other chapters. It's 66 verses. And so it's the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the acrostic multiplied by three. It's It's the high place of the mountain. And then the latter, two verse, the latter two chapters are spent climbing down the mountain, coming down. This is a thing. There's intentionality about this. There's intentionality. I've described this before, especially to the Sunday school people, that whenever you see something like this, it's not just information being conveyed, but in the artistry of the words, there's something being conveyed. That's why in prayer, our words matter. It's not just in the information that's being conveyed, but it's in the way it's being conveyed. Heck, if a song was communicated in a praise, or if it was in a a poetic um, expression, if it was poetry slam, if 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 it was a rap, either way, the way it's communicated also has significance. Lamentations has significance in the way that it's communicated in this third chapter in these sixty-six verses there is something that's communicated three times over, three times over. So 22 times three, each verse three times over. And what I want to call out are three themes that are communicated. First is repentance. Secondly is confession. And third and last is justice. And along the way, we're going to pause for prayers to read more Scripture and to listen and to pray. This first theme that's tripled in Lamentations chapter 3 is repentance. It's repentance. Everything that I read from verse 1 to about verse 22. 22. Now there is a a method to the madness. There is a reason. So from verse 1 to 22, the first third, it's pretty heavy. It talks about God afflicting me. Whenever you see the pronoun him or he, it's referring to. To God, God is doing this to me. God is, now, just to kind of bring this down to reality, how many of you have ever had or you've known that experience? Preach it, baby, preach it. Where you're like, God, why? Have you ever had the experience where it started out where you say, okay, well, this just happened because, um, because um, things were miscommunicated at the office. But then it gets to, well, this is happening because of the economy. Well, this happened because of things beyond my power, maybe the weather. But then it gets to a point where I don't know why this is. This this is just beyond. Why is this happening? The only person left to blame is God. God, why? And we wrestle with that. Is it okay to blame God? Is it okay to accuse God? God, this wasn't my spouse's fault. This wasn't my teacher's fault. This wasn't the school's fault. This wasn't the economy's fault. I can't blame this on the president. Who is accountable for this? Is it fair for us to blame God? I can't give an answer to that except to say that it's a thing. All throughout humans' experience, humanity's experience, when we came to wit's end and there was no one to blame, we've wondered, God, why is this happening? Who is accountable for this? And so the author in the first 22 verses is wrestling, is saying, God, you've done this to me. Why is this happening? But instead of shaking a fist at God and saying, I'm turning my back and I'm walking out the door and we're done. Instead of doing that, he comes to a conclusion. And that conclusion is in verses 25, 26, and 27. That's a triplet. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. It is good that we wait silently. It is good for a man, for a woman, that we should bear the yoke in our youth. That's a triplet. And then after that, in verse 28, 29, and 30, that's also a triplet. They all begin with that phrase, let Him, let Him, let Him. That's because those that, that, pair of, that, that triplet of, of, uh, of, of three lines all starts with the Hebrew letter y- Yod, uh, Y. And what's being conveyed here, that translates, let him. Let him sit alone and be silent. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Let him kiss the dust. Right? I'm a fan of, of boxing and, Rocky, and the Rocky movies. So let him kiss the dust every now and then. You, don't, you, can't, you can't go the distance all the time. Eventually, you're going to kiss the dust. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. In other words, let him take a couple of punches. Let him take a couple of punches. See, every now and then, sometimes we just have to close our eyes and take it on the cheek. We can spend the first 22 verses of our lives saying, why God, why God, why? But in the end, sometimes we just have to take it on the cheek. Sometimes we have to kiss the pavement Sometimes we have to take the hits of life. Why? What's the lesson in this, God? I don't know what the lesson is, but I'm just going to have to learn from it. It's kind of like this, if I can just share a story, share an analogy. It's not, um, it's not a true story for me, but it could be true for any one of us. Especially growing up here in Houston, this is pool country. And our children are going to spend a lot of time in the summer at the pool. But there's a father who has a daughter who's terribly afraid of the water. And this little girl will not go anywhere near the water. And the father knows that if she doesn't learn how to swim, then she'll drown one day. And drowning is a thing. I've been, I've been to enough emergency situations in a pastoral capacity where I know drowning is a real thing. And it happens very quick. You want your children to learn to swim, especially in Houston. And father knows that his daughter needs to learn to swim, but he can't seem to coax her into the water. Well, lo and behold, one day what happens? She accidentally falls into the pool. And she's falling into the pool, and she's crying out for 22 verses, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And his initial instinct is to reach and lunge and grab her. His initial instinct, it isn't his instinct. Because dad doesn't just sit there and laugh and say, oh, look at you, you're just flailing about, aren't you? No, God doesn't, for those first 22 verses, sit there laughing at us as we flail about life. No, God wants to rescue, but he knows, the father knows in that split second, if I rescue, she'll never get past this test. And so he kind of holds off. He's just within reach, enough so that she can reach and grasp for that hand. But he will not rescue just yet. The lesson here is is not just for for God to us, but it's also for parents and children. We can't rescue too quick. Don't rescue somebody too quick, even for pastors and leaders. Don't rescue too quick. Why? Why? Because it's in the flailing about, in those first 22 verses, trying to figure out who God is, we learn to tread water. We learn to cope with life. We learn to swim in the world. Now, if God had rescued us too quickly, then the reality is we will never learn. We will not learn. And so, let him, let him sit alone and be silent. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. I want to call up a prayer. It's on the website. And it's called the Fireside Prayer. And you'll find it if you scroll down the Fireside Prayer. And I'd like to say this prayer. And with your eyes closed, or if you'd like to pray along, silently, I'll give you a second to find it. I'd like for us just to keep in mind this image of the flailing child in the water. The first 22 verses wrestling with why God doesn't rescue, but then discovering in the process that this is how I learned to swim. The Fireside Prayer. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways, reclothe us in our rightful mind, in purer lives your service find, in deeper reverence praise. Just want to invite you to engage those words, however you will. Drop your still dews of quietness, till all our striving ceases. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of your peace. Breathe through the heat of our desire, your coolness and your balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire. Speak through earthquake, wind and fire, O oh, still small voice of calm. In simple trust like theirs who heard, beside the Syrian sea, the gracious calling of the Lord, let us, like them, without a word, rise up. I'd like to read the second half of Lamentations, if you could just hear these words, Lamentations, as Bobby plays in the background. Please, could you just play it a little louder? Who is there who speaks, and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and have not spared. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us mere offscouring scouring and refuse, refuse in the midst of the people's They have opened their mouths against us, all our enemies. Panic and pitfall have befallen us, devastation and destruction. My eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow and do not cease. There is no respite. Until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven, my eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. My enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird, They have silenced me in the pit and have placed a stone on me. Waters flowed over my head. I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. You did not close your ears. To my cry for relief, for help, you drew near. When I called on you, you said, do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen my oppression, judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me. The lips of my assailants are their whispering, are against me all day long. Look on their sitting and their rising. I am their mocking song. You will recompense them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them hardness of heart. Your curse will be on them you will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. The second overture that I want to look at is confession. Confession, the idea of confession we see in verses 40 to 42. This is a triplet right there. And this triplet begins with the Hebrew letter nun or the English letter n. N. And the way this translates is, let us examine and probe our ways. Let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. In this confession, in these heavy words of the Lamentations, there is something being conveyed. My wife and I, um, we, we are avid readers of different types of literature. Sometimes we'll read books on leadership. Sometimes we'll read books on psychology. Um, Sometimes I'll read some books on economics. And it's interesting how many of these books, whether they are about money, about psychology, about leadership, are written by Jews. And maybe you can corroborate this on your own. Any books that you've read on any of these subjects, it's interesting that these are books That are written by Jews. Why does it happen? Why is it so that a lot of these things, these really deep, deep writings, are by Jewish people? I believe it is because of the words of verse 40. You see, the thing about Jewish people is that they've spent their lifetime wrestling with the question why. Just like we've read these first 22 verses where we've struggled, we've struggled with where is God, what is God doing, why is this happening. The reason these words are heavy is because historically this happens after the fall of Jerusalem. These were not the best of times. In fact, arguably, ever since that moment after the fall of Jerusalem when Lamentations was written to this very day, Jews are still examining and probing their ways. Something happens when you're constantly doing this self-reflection. We talked about the high places last Sunday. When you are examining, doing internal examination, saying, why does this happen? Why are these things persistent in my life? You You are prone to a little bit of this morbid introspection. But nonetheless, you're asking deep and hard questions. That is why. That's my theory. Why, in some ways, the best books, the best theories, oftentimes have a name like Goldman or Goldstein at the end. Because as a people, traditionally, culturally, they're asking hard questions. Why? Let us examine and probe our ways, is what the, is what the author says in verse 40. Let's examine and probe why. It is in that question that we grow deeper. It is not in the easy, quick, one, two, three success. And really, a lot of those books are not quick and easy, you know, quick fix books. But it is in the deep questionings and the probing of our own ways. The author says in the next verse, in verse 41, we lift up our hearts and hands toward God in heaven. Now, this is an interesting interesting uh, conclusion. That in the midst of the difficult question, Why? Nonetheless, Sunday after Sunday, we come to church and we lift up our hearts and our hands in worship. Despite how I feel, I come to church and I lift up my heart and I lift up my hands. This is something that, thankfully, I learned early on when I was in, when I was in high school, that we offer a sacrifice of praise. It's not a sacrifice if it's convenient and and it's easy and everything's going great. No, praise, lifting up our hands in worship, that is hard to do when it's the last thing we want to do. When we don't want to be in church, when we don't want to lift up our hearts in worship, that is when it counts the most. Those are the breakthrough moments those are the breakthrough moments, when we lift up our hearts and we lift up our hands. Listen, um, there's something interesting about this translation because it's translated for us: we lift up our hearts and hands. But some ancient, ancient um, documents, some ancient copies of this, actually say we lift up our hearts. We lift up our hearts in our hands. There's a slight difference, lifting up our hearts and we lift up our hands, but lifting up our hearts in our hands. I mean, can you hear the intimacy of that? Can you hear even the struggle? Look, God, I'm not here on this Sunday morning. Um, You know, I I was listening to the radio um, about workers suffering through the government shutdown. And I guess it's been, this is today's the 20th, almost three, three weeks of no pay. And especially in the economy today, many people live paycheck to paycheck. And this this struggle, this struggle to make ends meet when there's no money coming in. I mean, government employees end up having to take out food from the pantry, from the food pantry. And what is it like in those circumstances to come to church on a Sunday morning and say, here's my heart, <laughs> this is how my heart's feeling. you know, And I can only laugh because things are... <laughs> are going south, and so what do I do? I lift my heart up in my hands. I 'm lifting my heart in my hands. I think both of those translations go well. I lift up my hearts, I lift up my heart and my hands, but I lift up my heart within my hands. But the third and last verse there in this triplet is, "We have transgressed and rebelled. You haven't pardoned we, and that phrase, that word we, that word we is unique, and that gets us to our third and last heading. And we'll finish with this: we. No, 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 no! Don't talk about we. Talk about you. Talk about I. Take personal, individual responsibility. What is this we stuff? I don't want to talk about. Um, I don't want to talk about broad, sweeping ideas. Um, we, we don't like to talk about. Societal reform, just tell me my personal responsibility. You know, one of the things, ironically, we're in a multi-ethnic community in this larger kingdom city experiment, this collective. One of the things we don't talk about often or often enough is the notion of privilege. Privilege goes multiple ways. Privilege amongst ethnicities, privilege amongst middle classes, even as an Asian-American, I am aware of the privilege that I have compared to other ethnicities in this building. Privilege is a thing. Different ethnicities to varying degree. There was one, one time I spoke about privilege years ago, years ago, and somebody said, I'm really deeply offended that you even mentioned that word, privilege. I said, why? That's a political catchphrase. Privilege is a coverall. There is no privilege. In America, we all pull ourselves up by the bootstrap. We all work hard. Anybody can get to the top, no matter what color you are, no matter what class, no matter what country you come from. So there is no such thing as privilege. I didn't contest this. I just listened. And I said, I hear what you're saying. You're saying, instead of, you you don't, you don't like the idea that people should be, we shouldn't give, like government handouts and all this stuff, and welfare system. No, no, everybody starts from the bottom and gets a chance to work their way to the top. There is no notion of this. Give somebody a fishing rod. That's all they need. But the question I have is, what if I give somebody a fishing rod, but they don't have access to the pond? Or what if I give somebody a fishing rod, but they don't have the keys? There is a dimension of we. There is. As an Asian American, I'm keenly aware of this. As somebody that's born with privileges, there is a we. And if all our repentance involves is just I, 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 or you, or it's only about individuals and we don't see the complicity, if we don't see the plural. Because the plural here is present. This gets us to our third and last heading, justice. Justice. They've asked me this coming Saturday to talk about justice. I cannot talk about justice without talking about this we dimension. I cannot talk about justice without saying it's not just personal sin or individual sin. There also is this plural this plural thing. In fact, those verses 40, 41, 42, all of them start with the Hebrew letter nun. Nun, when it's it's put in front of a word, it pluralizes the word. So it's quite deliberate that verses 40, 41, and 42 begin with the words, let us, we, we. The downfall of Jerusalem was not because one person over here had a sin habit alone. It was something that all of us as a people, as a nation, we did together. We went along with it. Remember the high places that I alluded to last Sunday. That was not just somebody personally deciding to do. That was something that the entire culture went forward in doing. We participate. We're complicit. This prayer was supposed to be on the screen, and that's okay. I'm not lamenting that. But I want you to hear the words. If you could close your eyes and hear these words. Most holy and merciful Father, we confess to you and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, Lord. We have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, Lord. We confess to you, Lord, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of our lives we confess to you, Lord. Our self-indulgent appetites and ways, our exploitation of other people, we confess to you, Lord. Our anger at our own frustration, our envy of those more fortunate than us, we confess to you, Lord. Our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts, our dishonesty daily life and work we confess to you lord our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us we confess to you lord accept our repentance lord for the wrongs we have done For our blindness to human need and suffering and our indifference to injustice and cruelty, accept our repentance, Lord. For all false judgments, uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us favorably here, for your mercy is great accomplish in us and in all your church the work of your salvation that we may show forth your glory in the world by the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord. Bring us with all your saints to the joy of his resurrection. I'm going to ask the worship team to make their way back up as I land this plane and conclude on this third subject of justice. See, the thing about justice, it's oftentimes kind of... The latter, the last piece, it's an addendum to the ministry of a church. Our three mission priorities are insightful teaching, intentional discipleship, holistic outreach. Two out of those three we've done actively, intentionally. We've worked on them. One of them we have not done. Intentional discipleship, insightful teaching, wonderful, but what does it look like for Woven to engage in holistic outreach? That, I think, is the challenge before us for 2019. May we not leave any of our works undone, as it says in the New Testament. May all of our deeds not be found wanting in the Lord. The Gospels are strong enough to even say that those who did not acknowledge the poor were the ones that would go to that side, the goats. It's pretty serious stuff. Pretty serious stuff. What does it mean for a small church like ours to be engaged in holistic outreach? These are questions that we in 2019 and I want to challenge you to carefully consider that this will be the year that we look beyond myself, that we begin to see the corporate dimension, the we we also see the other. Justice. Let justice roll. Let 2019 be the year where we make some headway. We break some ground. And along with intentional discipleship, insightful teaching, that we're also engaging in some real justice, compassion, and mercy. And we're looking beyond ourselves.